0: Hello and welcome to Fantasy Football Interrupted, season four, episode number three. We are your crack podcasting team here. I am joined by my fellow co-host, Alex K. Alex K, and I am your other half of your co-hosting team, John McStravick. Alex, I thought I'd give you the uh, introductory honors this week. How's it going, Alex K?
1: Oh, I've had better weeks. I've been cutting up our last couple of footages together, and and I realized we've made some... uh, Confusing statements for people So I'm looking forward to this episode To kind of cleaning everything up
0: Yeah, you know, well, everybody needs a little bit of time To shake the rust off uh, from those dark summer nights So we'll get into that uh, But before we do, I want to get into our Fantasy Talk question of the week And I just wanted to know Do you have an alternate Trash-talking psych-out strategy for the draft this year Since we'll be doing this all remotely Over uh, video cast, And we won't be in the same room You can't really do any, any Tricks and stuff like that.
1: Initially, I thought I would contact each one of your spouses and see if I could send you all little care packages and grab bags of goodies. Um, But that seems like way more work than you guys are worth. So uh, I'm going to go with just researching a little more and, and probably not...
0: Having as much fun on that day as we normally have. Well, that's a shame, Alex, because I was hoping you were going to come up with something good. But maybe you're just uh, holding an ace up your sleeve at this point and don't want to divulge too much. Because you never know if one of our buddies will be listening to this podcast, you don't want to give all your tips and tricks away. So uh, that that kind of reminds me of I Lawrence Taylor used to send uh, prostitutes to his uh, competitors the night before to kind of psych them out. Very so smart. I thought that's kind of where you yeah. were going. So you not quite as much, but no, it's not hey, worth it. I'll take a grab. I'll take a grab bag of goodies. Please right? send them my way. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, All right. Well, uh, I I don't have any strategies except for I might try to out my trash talking game this year. It'll be a little easier since we don't have to do uh, cornhole or anything like that. And I don't have to embarrass myself there so I can uh, have a little more confidence in my trash talk game. All right. So let's move on into then our weekly position rankings. Now, this is what Alex was alluding to at the top of the show. So doing some more research, we're getting closer to the draft. We're taking a look a little, we are taking a closer look at uh, all the lists in the draft list and where people are sitting out and uh, also doing some more research on, you know, past stats and taking a look at last season's rankings based off of the final fan points for our Yahoo Fantasy rankings. Uh, We were wildly uh, misguided in our observations about where we think certain people should be and uh Alex what was your biggest shock
1: you know Dak Prescott as the number two quarterback point getter that's he must have played more games that yeah he played every single game so that's that has something to do with it is his consistency but him him and Jameis Winston back to back for the third spot uh just I had no idea they scored that many points
0: Yeah. When I took a look at this, because I decided to just actually check back and comparing them then to who is up at the top of the draft boards right now, we were kind of trash talking on Dak Prescott saying, why is he up so high? Put him down, like move him three or four spots down and move all these guys up. And now looking at it, I'm questioning almost everything that we were talking about in the previous two weeks. So it really is an eye opener. And This is why you got to do your homework, folks. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to go through each position again, but we're going to be looking at the top five from last season's final fan points rankings. So uh, without further ado, Alex, let's get into it. And we're going to start off with the quarterback position here. Yeah.
1: Number five is uh, Deshaun Watson, actually. Uh, He had about 337 uh, fantasy points. He played 15 games uh he rushed for about 413 yards which is a good stat to know uh but essentially fifth on this list so yeah
0: but still I mean that sounds about right where Deshaun Watson would be and we talked about keeping him up there in that top five or maybe maybe in the six-man spot but uh moving on to number four we have Russell Wilson uh again makes a lot of sense he's I, I think averaging the third spot in the the draft boards now but He's, a, points.
1: he's almost identical to Deshaun Watson in stats, though. When you look at this, it's like 4,000 passing yards, uh, up, upward about 400 rushing yards, uh, it's about 80 attempts. I mean, they're almost identical uh, with Deshaun playing one less game. So uh, if that says anything about the fact that they could have flip flop. Uh, with one game more.
0: Yeah, exactly. So moving on to number three.
1: Yeah. Jameis Winston was again, one of the shockers had 30 interceptions, like the biggest amount of interceptions we have on this top five, but through for 5,000 yards.
0: Uh, Yeah. I have one of his uh, wide receivers in one of my other leagues and he did fine, but I didn't realize that Jameis Winston was really putting up these numbers and now he's just a backup. So I, he always, in my perception, is an up and down guy who never really hit it uh, consistently, but still put up fantasy wise big, big points. So that's part of, I think, just the idea where real life does not always match in fantasy. And sometimes fantasy, these guys are much better than they re- seem.
1: So, yeah, if you do happen to get Drew Brees and, you know, he's just a broken thumb away from putting Jameis Winston in.
0: That's right. And you saw what uh, Teddy Bridgewater did last year. So who knows what Jimmy Winston could do in that offense. So moving on to number two, we have what we also talked about, Dak Prescott, which this just absolutely floored me that he was the number two point getter for quarterbacks last season. Uh, We always think, you know, Pat Mahomes is up there. Uh, Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson, those were like the point getters. And yet here's Dak Prescott. And, you know, I think a lot of it is my bias against the Cowboys, my Eagles fandom. So that's that's one of those issues in fantasy football. When that happens, you get blinded. And this is definitely one of those situations. So I have to reevaluate that. It's still going to be hard for me to take them. I still think there's some other issues in that team, in that offense, but it's definitely going to make me reevaluate how i where i put him on my list
1: well he got the one year contract so hopefully he'll be playing hard for the next uh, extension on that or he won't be i guess we'll find out at number one we've got lamar jackson of course and i mean with 176 rushing attempts 1200 yards on the ground 3000 yards uh, through the air and 36 touchdowns i mean how can you argue with him being the number one quarterback even with pat mahomes as good as he is
0: Yeah. I I mean, I I don't even think Pat Mahomes playing the whole season is going to have numbers like that. I mean, 1,200 rushing yards. That's just insane. That was the number that popped out of me. That and the 30 interceptions from Jameis Winston, but 1,200 rushing yards from a quarterback in addition to 33,000 plus yards passing. Insane. And even if he doesn't quite hit that again because now all teams are really going to be spying him and playing him harder, he's still going to put up points. There, there's no doubt about that. He's
1: still a great quarterback to have, but
0: that's, uh, that's our quarterback list. Deshaun Watson didn't make it on
1: there. Kyler Murray didn't make it on there. Josh Allen didn't make it on there. If you can get any of those three, you're going to get some good quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, they're all quarterbacks on the rise as well. Josh Allen, you and I were talking about. where's another guy who put up bigger numbers. Okay, so let's move on to the tight end position. This is pretty standard and not too surprising, but let's start it off at number five with uh, Zach Ertz of the Eagles. Uh, 171 points. Um, sounds about right. He didn't. He played all the games. Or he played miss one game. Wasn't quite up to his standards of the past seasons, but still good enough for number five in the tight end spot.
1: Yeah, and he got hurt a lot. So that's still really good as far as his limited playing time. Number four, my boy Mark Andrews. I love it. He put up a lot of points for being a uh... A lower round drafted
0: pick. Famously, Alex Alex K's best pick ever.
1: Absolutely. It'll go down infamously in history as my best pick. Number three, who do we have?
0: Uh, We've got Darren Waller. So same thing for the Las Vegas Raiders. So same thing. You and I were questioning, like, why is this guy up here? This name just is, for whatever reason, again, it's one of those weird things that I just don't track. Like, I was in the running the whole year, and Darren Waller is not on my radar yet here he is the number three tight end with 176 points and you know just wow
1: look, okay look at his reception yards though I mean he's got almost 1200 you know that's like Kelsey stats right there so um so that's one of the things you have to look at like I said they love to throw 15 yard passes and and he's a yards after catch so number two taste the rainbow George Kittle
0: is uh yeah and this this is uh pretty obvious i mean he kind of broke out pretty fast from the gate he is definitely clearly in number two and then at number one we have travis kelsey which is pretty standard and even him again didn't quite have every game up to his level but still comes out of top on the uh tight end position so do you think that kittle will eclipse kelsey this year or do you think waller will move up to number two and one of those two will drop down to number three
1: Uh, I think Kelsey's a wide receiver. Kittle's a wide receiver. They're both probably going to do about the same. Uh, Honestly, a very sneaky thing would try to get both of them in, like, the first and the second round and and probably pawn one of them off uh, if you could or play both of them, like, in our league where you can play three, but – Um, I think they're going to do about the same. You'll be happy to get either one of them. I would say honorable mention, uh, Austin Hooper and Jared Cook we left off this list.
0: Yeah, Austin Hooper is dropping down a lot of people's lists, I guess because he went to Cleveland. Um, I do think Ertz will drop off this top five. Uh, Mark Andrews, I'm assuming, will stay in the four or five spot. Uh, And then I think there's going to be one or two, though, who could jump up maybe ahead of Mark Andrews and somebody five spots. But Andrews will be in the four or five, six range no matter what. So always a good value pick probably wherever you can get them. All right, so that's tight end. So let's move on into the next best position, the kicker. Let's look at that kicker. Actually, I do find this very interesting because let's start off at number five. We have Zane Gonzalez of Arizona in a dome, 135 points. This Looking at this makes kicker more interesting because you're actually seeing how they quantify their value rather than just kind of like, oh, that team and a guy. Let me just pick him. You're
1: kidding, right? Like I'm looking at this list and they're not, but like... 10 points from each other all the way down from like 5 to 10 like who cares who cares
0: well I'll be honest with you I think Zane Gonzalez could be a great pick just because I think that offense is going to put even more points up on the board so I do think he could move You're up. talking, you're talking 30 points over a 16 week season hey man how many games how much did you lose my game by when we played each other in the playoffs how many points did you lose it by yeah but I had
1: you know I had Matt Gay, so I had twelve more points throughout the season.
0: I'm just saying the kicker can come bring into some value here, and one or two points each week in and a week out can mean something. All
1: all I see is is a thirty point difference between one and like fourteen. And if you're telling me that you know because you got Harrison Butker, you won, maybe I'll give you that. Or you got Lutz, maybe. But then you start going down here after Tucker. And it's just, it is just a a rock shoot here. I don't even, it doesn't even matter. After those three, number one Bucker, number two Lutz, number three Tucker, it doesn't matter. You can put Gay and, and and Gonzalez on there, but honestly, man, I'm telling you, all the way down from the Tampa Bay kicker, it it just the points. Oh, it doesn't make a difference. It's all the same. It's all, they're all the hey man, same.
0: You- You're the one who picked a kicker up in, like, your eighth round last year. And I
1: did really, really well until he got hurt, and I couldn't pick up Butker. Yeah, I had Zerline, and then he, like, pulled – he had a groin injury at some point, and I had to uh, stream a kicker for a little while until I found uh,
0: a really good one. I forget which – I think it was, like, Sly from Carolina. All right. Well, I, I still pick kickers toward the bottom i i never will make a reach on a kid but that's
1: why that's the reason i just we just Ugh, i'm so over this move on come on
0: so we're going to move on from our position rankings and we're going to get into some current events so one of the big random things that happened this weekend was that there was a whole bunch of uh false positives that happened for 77 players across the league which caused this big panic and they all got retested, and it found out that the samples got contaminated somehow, and it wasn't a real uh, – it, it wasn't a real positive. Yeah. But it it sent a big panic, and the question was, like, what would have happened if this was happened during the season? Because, like, certain players, they had to hold out for, like, two days of camp. So Josh Allen didn't uh, practice on Sunday and Monday. So the question is just if that happens on a Saturday – practice somewhere you know and or right before the game what happened
1: it's time it's it's time for some wednesday night football that's what's gonna happen is they're gonna start postponing games for two and three days and getting four and five extra opinions and tests done and making sure for certain and you're gonna have like travel teams signing up to be on special teams because oh uh, it's gonna be mad it's gonna be a madhouse if it happens during the season but it's it's all doable
0: The one thing I'll bring up with this is that I think that you should very much talk to your commissioners and make sure that there is an open waiver wire up until kickoff on Sundays. Ooh, but see,
1: we don't have that. And that has messed with us a couple times. I, I haven't been able to pick up a tight end because of it.
0: Right, exactly. My dynasty league, we've had this for a while and it really has worked really well. So your waiver wire closes Friday night and then after they close, they immediately open back up. And then from that point on, it's just first come first serve. Until kickoff on Sunday, you should have the ability to be able to pick up somebody to replace a guy, even if it's just a guy, but you might need a body. What if it's your kicker? What if it's your defense and you're only carrying one of those guys? What if it's a quarterback and you're only carrying one quarterback? That's a common thing. I know you carry only one quarterback a lot of the times.
1: There's a reason for that.
0: Well it's very risky in the time of Corona, my friend. So I just think that it's one of those points that uh, teams leagues should discuss and really have an open waiver wire till kickoff on Sunday. And also look at your backups uh, that we were just bringing up. That's a big thing to make sure you have key positions, have plenty of backups that they can get replaced. What do you think about that?
1: Again, handcuff everybody.
0: So you're really big on the handcuff this year, aren't you?
1: That's going to be my biggest advice this year. If you're worried about COVID is go ahead and handcuff up.
0: All right, are you handcuffing quarterbacks?
1: No, I'm still not doing that, not unless uh, I want to trade one.
0: (laughs) All right. Okay, so that that's all that was mostly going on outside of normal camp things. You know, some players get hurt here and there. You know, different different types of little flare ups, but uh, nothing too exciting. So let's move on back into our top five uh, position rankings. Next position, which is an interesting one, is defense, and this was another one where Alex and I completely just sort of missed the boat on this. Not sort of, totally missed the boat, and just really our perceptions were completely off. So. let's start off at number five. So Kansas city standard 146 points. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean,
1: that's again, Pat Mahomes has the ball a lot. So you don't expect uh, defenses or or offenses to be doing a lot on the other teams. So Kansas city kind of gets a break on defense. So I expect that. That sounds good. That's better than the Rams who are below them. So
0: before, hold on, before we move on to the next one, I do want to ask a question and actually it might apply to the next one too. How do you feel about teams that have high-scoring offenses and then picking their defenses? Do you think that it could be a detriment just because teams are always playing catch-up then and throwing the ball a lot and might score a lot of points just to try to keep up?
1: I think your defenses are going to score more touchdowns because uh, the other team is going to be throwing more. So I think it's it's a great strategy to think who are the high-octane sort of offenses to kind of put points on the board quickly to... uh, put the other offense
0: on their heels. A lot of sense makes a lot of sense because uh that's gonna apply to our next one at number four. Yeah, number
1: four is Baltimore.
0: Uh yeah, I would take Baltimore if I were reaching
1: for a defense. Absolutely. Anyone you get in this next little area is gonna be good. They're all kind of around the same point value.
0: So we're looking at this right now and it's Kansas City one forty six, Baltimore one fifty four. Number three is San Francisco at one sixty three. So we got about ten points separating each of these three teams but then we jump up into number two which is the one where we both totally just were spaced out on and whiffed 20 interceptions that's a lot of interceptions i think that's definitely got to be one of the reasons yeah and i still don't even
1: understand it to be honest i haven't looked at all this they they have a lot of sacks i guess um fumble recoveries they lead
0: but you look at look at the other teams. I mean, even Baltimore only has twelve or thirteen. San Francisco only has twelve. Kansas City is sixteen, but yeah, or interceptions. Yeah, that's going to get. It a looks lot like they and there could be pick sixes in there too.
1: Sure, sure. My point was the uh, they have two stats that they're in first on, and then their uh, interceptions they're in second in. So my point was they they have maxed out a lot of the uh, stat lines. So they are first. Uh, so that's part of the reason that they have so many points. But it's only uh, in three categories, which everybody else kind of shares for. So, again, we didn't know that was our correction, is Pittsburgh is actually a good defense. We were totally bagging on Pittsburgh. And, again, don't, don't make a lot of noise if anybody else in your league is feeling the same way that we were two weeks ago.
0: Point. And uh, at number one is New England, and we talked about this – New England Patriots, woo hoo! I don't know where we heard about this, but somehow we heard through the grapevine that they had a really good defense last year, scored a lot of points. I don't know. I don't care. Probably won't happen again. Will it happen again? Could happen again. No, no, I, I, I don't think
1: it'll happen again. I think uh, you're better off just picking. Yeah,
0: it. I mean, there's always big turnover in defenses. Although, if you got a stall, uh, you know, some stalwarts like Pittsburgh or Baltimore, it might be safe. San Francisco still has a deep.
1: There's always one waiver wire defense, one late round defense that just surprises you.
0: Okay, let's get into the more sexy position of wide receiver. So this one is probably the one where we were closest on and had the least amount of Bad uh, advice in the previous two weeks. So I hope nobody had their drafts based off our first two weeks of uh, digressions. So looking at number five, though, we have Kenny Galladay of Detroit. And now this might have been the only one you and I were kind of bagging on last week when we were going through our six through tens.
1: But think about this, though. You would have drafted DeAndre Hopkins at like the seventh overall spot. You know, like, you know, somewhere in there last year, maybe 10th. But you wouldn't have gotten Galladay to, like, 30th pick. And they ended up with the same point value. I'm just saying, you know, the number is irrelevant. My point is value. You've You've got two players that give you the same number of points. One has a better track record that you know about and is very flashy in name. And the other one just goes out there, does their job week in and week out. They're never on anybody's huge board of catching every pass or always being the go-to guy but here they are so again kenny galladay is going to be a value pick
0: yeah for sure uh but i still move hopkins way up my board here but let's go through this who's at number four cooper cup
1: which i don't feel like we uh even had him on this year's board but i think we knew he did well last year because i mentioned him as my regrets
0: Uh, Well, he was a huge regret of mine in my other league because I traded him away, and, man, he had some – his first three weeks just – 40 points, like, 30 points. So it's questionable whether he'll be able to repeat that performance. He did have a drop-off as the season wore on. You know, that's a more bigger question over the whole Rams offense and the quarterback throwing to him. I mean, he's going to get his points. I I just see him more as a wide receiver, too, and not in a top-five situation here. Uh, Going on to number three is your man, Julio. Roll Tide. Jones. Uh, this is pretty standard. I guess he did better than I kind of gave him credit for. He had 230 points according to Yahoo fantasy points. Uh, but that's pretty much par for the course of him in every season since he's played for the past, I don't know, eight seasons now. Plus I don't even know how long he's been in the league, but this is just what he does. And I don't really see any reason for him to have a fall off this year from that. I I think he's still going to have another big year and is a clear cut number top five.
1: I like him. Let's move on to number two, Chris Godwin.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the one that probably was the biggest shocker as far as actually where he landed. Uh, I knew how good he was doing, but just the fact that he kind of came out of nowhere, sort of, and just lit up the board. And
1: I agree. I think uh, if this were last year, my board would have said Michael Thomas, then uh, it would have been Devontae Adams, then DeAndre Hopkins, then Julio Jones. So it's kind of interesting to see how... It's changed, and Michael Thomas, obviously, the number one wide receiver.
0: Clearly, uh, with 306 points, and again, don't see any reason for that to come down. Drew Brees is back in. Yep. Okay, so after that, we're getting into the final and the most coveted position of them all, and that is the running back. The final countdown. Thank you, Alex, for that intro. That was beautiful. I love the little uh, intro music there. Okay, so <laughs> number five. So this one is always a tough one because it's like, where did everybody go? Where Who should I draft? Lots of discussion over who's the top five. So, okay, number five, we have Dalvin Cook from the Minnesota uh, Vikings. Which was going to say the Minnesota running backs.
1: Uh, he is the Minnesota football teams. Uh, <laughs> at number five, uh, yeah, and he only played 14 games. So he played two less games than a lot of people on this list. So if that says –
0: then that's damn impressive. Then 265 yes, points. Yes, that's what
1: I was saying. Because Austin Eckler is below him, not on this list. So is Chubb, and they don't have as much po- any points as they he does. And they played in every single game. Although Nick Chubb and Eckler both shared time. Uh, with other running backs, whereas Dalvin Cook
0: just got injured. I, I do just want to do a quick tangent on Eckler, though. The The stats are still impressive because he only had 557 rushing yards, and but then he had 993 receiving yards. So he's effectively a wide receiver out of the backfield.
1: Melvin Gordon isn't there this year, so he's definitely going to be a steal if you can get him. So.
0: All right, all right. Uh, moving on to number four. Zeke from the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right, number four. And I actually looked at his stats from the year before. He falls right in again around, I think he was 290 the year before in 2018. So it almost seems around this 290, 280 to 300 is probably his general range any given year, depending on how the Cowboys play. So I think number four is about the right spot for him, even in the current draft. Yeah,
1: and number three, Derrick Henry, my boy, Roll Tide, uh, only playing 15 games and still at the third spot.
0: Yeah, 1,500 uh, rushing yards, 16 touchdowns. I mean, that's that's where he was getting a lot of his points. So, I mean, he's clearly like an all-down purpose back that can do it in the first, you know, two downs, and he'll be a goal-line guy. He'll be third. He'll be the third and short guy. He's kind of everything. So he's going to touch the ball. My question, I brought this up before, though, 303 attempts, though, man, that is a lot. Plus, uh, uh, same thing with Zeke, 300 attempts, that's a lot of wear and tear, man.
1: I, I know, but Derrick Henry is one of those running backs that he takes those first, like, 11 snaps to, like, get going. He needs that
0: warm-up. He needs a lot to get downhill. and uh, He needs
1: that. the reps.
0: Well, you know, looking at these guys' age, too, he's only 26. I think Zeke's 25. So these guys are still really young and kind of in the right in their prime. So if their body's going to be able to handle it, it's right now.
1: The, the man falls for, like, seven yards. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree. Let's talk about number two. I'm kind of shocked that Aaron Jones is number two on here.
0: I, I didn't see this I, again. I knew Aaron Jones was a solid player last year for green Bay and for anybody who had him, but did not see him as the number two running back in all of football.
1: Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have guessed um, the, the, uh, the Packers did terribly uh, as far as I was concerned in fantasy,
0: the yardage, I guess it's because he had a lot of receiving yards and a couple touchdowns. He had a lot of touchdowns, but still he, he barely cracked a thousand yards.
1: Yeah, so it was pretty much he got fed the ball. They didn't have a very high offense. Let's talk about the next man who is so far, like the gap, guys, is like 120 points away from Aaron Jones with Christian McCaffrey here.
0: So, again, talk about reevaluating my priorities of my draft lists and we had those talks last week about feeling like McCaffrey we were going to draft him we were going to be holding the bag i, I have to reevaluate that after looking at it with these 1300 rushing yards for 15 touchdowns
1: right right and that's third that is third highest on the list for rushing yards
0: the the real eye popper though is <laughs> 1000 receiving yards and four touchdowns 1,000 receiving yards for a running back in addition to 1,000-plus yards run it, rushing. It's, I, yes. It's, it's eye-popping.
1: Yeah, it's absurd. It's absurd. They, they, I mean, that is definitely an award right there to get 1,000 yards rushing and receiving as a running back in, like, a Madden game. I have no doubt that unlocks X Games mode. And then Eckler's just sitting there with 1,000 uh, receiving yards as well, but only 500 rushing yards.
0: Well, what's crazy is if you split McCaffrey's stats and only had his rushing stats, he's still a top five running back. And then you take away his receiving yards and just looked at him as a receiver. He's probably still like a top 15 receiver being he's a wide receiver too. So you're pretty much combining a wide receiver, a running back one and a wide receiver two into one position. He's... <laughs> exactly. I, I'm highly contemplating it because now Barkley pales almost in comparison I mean Barkley only played 13 games last year obviously that's a, a you know a red flag
1: so is he worth your number one pick now have you
0: changed your mind and I was putting him in my number one spot but now I I you almost have to take the risk like I, McCaffrey could do what we talked about and you'd be holding the bag because he has just so much wear and tear but on the flip side he's only 22 or I mean I'm sorry he's like 23 or 24 so he's so young still so I, I, I almost feel like you know what the risk is worth the the possible downfall so i'm highly reevaluating i agree so that is our recap of looking at last year's final stat leaders uh for each position and us reevaluating and very shocked at some of what we were looking at and what we thought and our perception so i think this just reiterates how much you got to do your homework on many different fronts you got to do mock drafts you got to look at stats from the previous seasons maybe from the past two seasons do you see some trends what are some of the specific stats the yards, the catches, the receptions, you know, all of it, it all adds up and you got to make judgment calls based of all of it, but just don't do it based off a name or your perception, general perception of somebody, because clearly we are proving wrong, wrong way to look at these things. That's right. All right, Alex. So that was a good round to catch up on things. I feel like I'm getting more prepared, more ready for our draft that's coming up in a few weeks. Uh, but I want to shift gears here and I want to talk about it from the other side. And that is being a commissioner of a league, which I have never done, but uh, you have been a commissioner, are a commissioner this season, and you're in the process of setting up your league. So I just wanted to kind of pick your brain a bit about that. I was always curious, what is it like to be the life of a commissioner?
1: Uh, There is no reward. I don't know why anybody chooses to do it. Uh, It's really just your friends constantly giving you trouble that anything anybody does or says, uh, and, and and again, I I have to hold the money all year long, and then hopefully I put it in an account where I remembered it, and it's not just coming straight out of my pocket at the end of the season because it just. Jake usually uses his wife to do the accounting part of it, and that's very smart.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Is she the treasury of uh, the LA Locals fantasy football league?
1: Yes, because that's that's what she does in real life. So she make he makes her do that for us as well, but. Um, One thing I like to do in my league, uh, I always like to change the positions without telling anybody. So, like, one one year we'll have, like, two wide receivers and then, like, two flex positions. But then the next year we'll have three wide receivers and only one flex. And I won't tell anyone pre-draft. I'll expect everyone to go into settings and look up whatever new thing I've changed. Um, And I do it every single year.
0: Wow. That's some That's some dirty moves right there. Oh. Oh, it's, you know, stop making me be the commissioner.
1: If somebody else wants it and you want to keep the exact same positions every year and you want some sort of stability, well, then get them to do it. Until then keep giving me your money. I'm going to keep mixing it up and good luck, fellas. Well,
0: you know, one of the other things uh, I had on the docket to possibly talk about was uh, Matthew Barry's uh, seven uh, habits of highly effective drafters. And in a subsection of that, he said, one of his things is you got to always read through the rules of your league and like find all the ins and outs and like, what are the actual points and who what are the player positions that you can do? And He's like, you don't be surprised at how many people always just mess these things up, just assuming things. And then they get into the draft and their strategy is so screwed. So you are that tricky dicky there, my friend. Holy moly. Well, if you want to get out of it, that's the best way to do it is just make people hate you. So, So one of my questions was, is it fun? Is it stressful? And I think we just got our answer. It sucks is more or less what you're saying. It sucks.
1: I don't know. I don't know why people do it unless they like like Jake does where he charges us 10 extra dollars every single year. Uh, for livations, and uh, you know, that's, that's the best way to get the house a little money back. Well,
0: I think at that point it's, I think for him, it's just to be able to have an excuse for the buddies to get together. And he knows if he doesn't do his house, it won't happen. So where that comes from. So like outside of during the regular season, what kind of commissioner are you? Are you an accommodating one. or you a lay down the hammer? Like, no, uh, I'm ruling on this and that's it. And there's no, no appeals. Like what kind of commission are you that way?
1: I, I will, I will kind of ask the room kind of how what their stance is on it. But ultimately I am the man with power. So I make the executive decision. It is not a democracy. However, I do let them feel as if they have a voice, but ultimately I use that voice and I make the overall decision gavel in hand.
0: You know, I honestly, I appreciate that because in my dynasty league, my commissioner does a little bit more vote by owners to kind of come to conclusions of things. And i i'm just like i hate this just make a decision and you and i talk to him and we usually are on the same page so i'm just like just make the ruling man just do it he's like well it's like man you're just letting people walk all over you and then this is why that league for all years just always had people challenging the rules i have that same problem with our league with jake it's just like just make the decision man just say no this is what the rules are and it gets too wishy-washy too many people start complaining and trying to you know Get twist things and get it to be different. It's like, no man, these are the rules. This is what we've been living by for like five plus, six plus, eight plus years. See what happens
1: is Sam usually learns a trick from one of his other leagues and then goes to Jake and he's like, Hey, if we uh if we do this uh for week sixteen, you know <laughs> you know and then it's like it's already week three, shut up
0: what kind of goes into being a commissioner of the league? Like what is like all this other stressful stuff, especially in the beginning, like with the draft coming up, like what the hell do you have to actually do some nuts and bolts things that you just. No, the hardest part, the,
1: the hardest part of the beginning is definitely getting everybody uh, on a draft date schedule because nobody knows that far in advance.
0: And even when they
1: think they do, someone always seems to have a quinceanera pop up.
0: Yep. Because quinceañeras are very popular in our league. I know it's always throwing a big wrench and everything.
1: So you never know. I say that's the hardest part is the beginning is, is really nailing down all 12 people and, and saying, what day can you meet? So there's not auto draft.
0: So, and then what's like something, what's some of the nuts and bolts stuff throughout the season you have to deal with kind of constantly?
1: Yeah. You gotta, you gotta ask every single week for people to pay their dues when they're not in person. It's a little harder to get people to pay dues you know people always oh, i'll pay you on payday and oh venmo you. hey do you have cash app do you have do you have chase or, or zella i'm just
0: man like just hold it i don't care anymore just hold it that's one of one like does they they he just asked for it at the end of the season it's usually around christmas which isn't great but then you're like all right well i owe the money
1: i i came up with this one system one year where i was like all right well if If the last place person pays the first place person and the the seventh place person pays the second place and then the fourth person only pays five dollars because they get their money back. And it was just the most ridiculous. Oh, it's so annoying to be commissioner. Don't do it.
0: (laughs) That was going to be one of my final questions is, would you recommend people try being commissioner of a league? No. (laughs)
1: There you go. (laughs)
0: All right. All right. So I got two more questions, though, even though that was going to be my wrap up question. So first one is, um, how does it affect you running your team within that league, though? Does it actually affect it at all in certain ways?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say it makes me feel a little shadier because I feel like if like there was a trade that necessarily wasn't uh, copacetic, uh, you know, I'll talk my way into letting it go. So I feel like it's easier to be a little shadier when you're commissioner. Oh yeah, I, uh, I know you
0: play in the gray area. I know you're always on the edge of uh, what's uh, acceptable and ethical. <laughs> so then you have that you have that deciding power of do I or do I not? So
1: that's why I don't like it because like when we're just players and I do it, it's not my fault. It's the commissioner's fault for letting me get away with it. Is but.
0: that Jewish guilt coming out of you? <laughs>
1: That's, that's what it is. You got it. But yeah, what's your other question?
0: All right. So, so since you already had all my one wrap up question, I'll ask, I'll try to end this on a positive note. Is there anything fun about being a commissioner?
1: Um, when you win and you've put in all that time and effort and you've been, uh, the leader of the group, uh, there's a little more bragging rights to it. I feel because Anytime you're bringing something up, you can kind of slip in that you were the winner. Whereas if you're just a regular player, there's not as many announcements. And uh,
0: last uh, PS uh, postscript question. Do you ever do people ever tip you out at the end for uh, putting in uh, the, the thankless work for being the commissioner?
1: I've never made any extra money.
0: Well, you know, that's just something I think we should
1: do. No one's ever tipped me out. That sounds like a wonderful thing for people to start doing. Uh, I will start suggesting that.
0: If I win, if I'm one of, if I win, that's when I tip out from the winner. That's, that's just, just like something small. Just, it's nothing big. It's like 20 bucks, just like here. But in normal times you go buy yourself like a beer or something at a bar. That Have time. you ever done that? Have you ever done that to a, a commissioner? So it's just like a, a small thank you to say, because the commission job, everybody knows it. And that's why I, I've never ever volunteered over been like, huh, I want to run my own leg. Nope. Nope. That, that thought never crossed my mind. Nice. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, uh, yeah, well, maybe then you'll get a better winner this time and somebody will give you a little little thank you note. Not my friends. They're all cheap. So, all right, well, that's interesting. So if anybody was thinking about being a commissioner, don't. Uh, If you are a commissioner, I'll say, you know, overall general uh, royal thank you to all of you putting in for your timeless effort that has no payout whatsoever to it. That's even probably lower (laughs) uh, hourly rate than what it is to actually run a team. And, uh, so, so there you go. Uh, it's what it is. We need you people though. Our fantasy football leagues would not run without you. So big, uh, thank you to our Oscar hosts, cousins. There it is. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I think that was another good week in the books. And, uh, we have our draft coming up in a short week and a half, two weeks. I think so next week will probably be a big episode of really get into the nuts and bolts of what, where we think everybody's going to land. Maybe I think we'll talk big board. Maybe, maybe. That sounds good. And
1: if you want to see our big board, you can go to Instagram at Fantasy Football Wins. Where can they reach
0: you? I am at Jay Strabs on Twitter, and I'm definitely going to be getting a little more active this uh, coming weeks with all the fantasy coming up and all my research happening. So uh, let's get into it. Good. So uh, good show. And Alex, where can everybody reach you if they want to see your other happenings besides fantasy football? You can find me
1: at Alex Laughs at TikTok. That's the best place to find my content
0: absolutely check him out on tiktok he really does have some uh, wonderful things going on over there so if there's nothing else alex i'll catch you next week yep good show